Warning, this podcast contains explicit sexual language and should only be listened to at work if you're looking for an excuse to connect with your HR representative. Additionally, all mentions of the word women include cis, trans, envy, genderqueer, genderfluid, and those still figuring it out. Yes, you. You are welcome here. Will you open up with me? These pages they can feed your innermost desires. Do you feel inspired? Are you getting what you need? Are you coming curiously? A secret safe with me. And here you can simply be Hi, y'all. This is Jace, and you found Jace Reads Romance, a community celebrating women's sex and sexuality through the reading of romance novels. I am so excited today to be joined by the incredible Courtney, and I will do no disservice by trying to introduce her myself. So please, Courtney, tell us who you are, what you do, and what you're excited to talk to us about. Oh, my gosh. All right. <clears throat> my name is Courtney. I use she and they interchangeably. Nothing is wrong. Everything's right. And I am an intimacy director in the theater. You might have read an article about that. You might not have. So intimacy professionals are uh, a relatively new category uh, or title for folks working in the entertainment industry who help actors perform scenes of an intimate nature. In film, we call these folks intimacy coordinators, and in theater, we call them intimacy directors or intimacy choreographers. A lot of lingo thrown around. Also, in sexual health, there's such a thing as an intimacy coach, and that's someone who helps people with their literal, actual, real-world sex life, and that is not what I do. I don't have that expertise. I only practice that on myself. The titles can get a little confusing. If it helps, you can remember that a stunt coordinator is the word we use for the person who does stunts in film, so intimacy coordinator matches up with that. And uh, my work is primarily in the Chicago theater community. Oh, I'm so excited. So your history uh, and background in intimacy and your, especially the work that came before that, that led you to be so great. What is, what is something that you love about your job? Why is it important that we have intimacy directors, choreographers, and in the film and TV world, coordinators? Thank you. Good question. Um, <laughs> To me, this job is an opportunity to uh, practice my activism in my chosen community. I have been a, a rabid intersectional feminist for as long as I can remember. And I didn't know that in the rooms I wasn't a part of in theater, there wasn't necessarily someone going, this is heteropatriarchal, or I don't think that that is humane, and can we do it a different way? Sometimes there were rooms where simply the person in charge was telling people what to do. And you know that scene in A League of Their Own? I got girls in the parking lot who'll do it in a bathing suit if I ask them to. That's what a lot of actors get taught about their worth and their um, replaceability in their roles. So a lot of creative artists, people who work to make themselves sensitive to the human condition in order to perform, 
are also people who are living in a state of fear about whether or not they will get to do their job. And we're told in our training that uh, to be compliant is to be good and that to be uh, to have a need or to have a want or to have a boundary is to be difficult and difficult might equal fired. And those are really broad terms and I am older than many people working in my industry today. So the training has shifted, but at least in my era, that was a lot of the messaging we got. So we've got actors really from all decades, folks in their 20s, all the way up through folks in their 60s, 70s, 80s, who are carrying harm from their experiences performing intimate work. They mm -hmm. uh, performed a person who was subject to intimate violence, or they performed a person who enacted intimate violence. Uh, they may have had to repeat something over and over and over again that was deeply uncomfortable for them, but that they didn't feel they could address in any way or that they didn't have tools to address. So people in my role bring the language, the know-how, the techniques to support the process of performing intimate work. And intimate work might be simulated sex. It might be nudity. Think anything you wouldn't likely see on a public beach. Um, people often forget that a cis man taking his shirt off is a strange thing at most workplaces, but it happens in the theater a lot. And often those people don't get asked, are you cool with this? It's just assumed that that's part of our given boundaries. So instead, people like me are helping folks to define their actual boundaries and to acknowledge that those boundaries change. They change based on context and our experiences, and who's around us and how we feel that day. And that all of that is a part of our toolkit that we bring to work to make theater. Wow, that was like four run-on sentences. That so was amazing. <laughs> and I don't think you could have, I don't think you and I could have staged, planned, pre-written my next question, which is one of the things that we have talked about or I have introduced a lot in this community is the power of your vocabulary to help you discover what it is that you want, what you don't want, what are the words that you can use, should use, enjoy using, don't using. And you mentioned the power of language in your work. And so I'd love I'd love to just expound on that. What is your observation of the power of language? Well, I want to thank you because you just gave me a dawning realization. Folks often ask me where my expertise comes from, and it comes from a lot of practice in a lot of different places. <laughs> but I also was raised by the child of a librarian who then became a librarian herself. And my house was full of books and reading was paramount in my childhood. So. You speaking about how vocabulary can give us access to defining our needs, our wants, our desires, our boundaries, et cetera, our experiences. I, I think I got a head start because I did so much reading as a young person. The vocabulary I use when I am choreographing bodies in space, I tend to draw on uh, physical fitness language or skeletal language and talk about the pelvis or talk about the quad or talk about the sole of the foot. Uh, I try to use words that apply to things that all of us have, because we've all got a rib cage in there somewhere. So 
the front of the top of the rib cage might be different on this body or that body or the other body, but it exists for all of us. Um, and sometimes sim something as simple as let's have that touch move along the collarbone. I'll see, I'll see hesitation or confusion in an actor. I'm like, and I will demonstrate, oh, that's this bone right here. It goes from here to here. So sometimes there is a code switching aspect to my job, wherein I prefer not to try to teach people how to talk about their own bodies, but to learn how they talk about their own bodies, maybe to offer desexualized language if they have language that has some weight to it. Because as I said before, we're in a workplace, we're trying to make something happen that is sustainable for potentially months, potentially years, potentially multiple national and international tours. So we really want this to be something that professionals can wake up in the morning, brush their teeth, go to work and do, and not carry any baggage about. So I might try to deload some language, but otherwise I really love for people to be able to define things in their own terms. And I find that gives them ownership over the work that they're doing. Language and sex and bodies. And that's something that we we come across is how do we find the words to describe our own body in a way that feels like we have ownership that is empowering to to oneself and if, if especially like in terms of that and doesn't take away or degrade that power that we have and i'm talking about like our own self-awareness as opposed to Maybe if you're involved in the king community, some of that humiliation, degradation, like that's separate. Mm. But when it comes to our own sense of self and our own bodies, what is it that we want? And I love that you talk, we hear talking about sex and sexuality, but sometimes to take ownership of our body, we need to desexualize it. We need to remind ourselves that, yes, the top of our chest exists and can be really wonderful for sex and intimacy, but it also exists outside of that space. And so playing around with maybe the anatomical terms for yourself, your, your genitals, your chest, your secondary sex characteristics can take what might have been only whispered to you in the locker room in um, by a previous partner, maybe your parents used a weird nickname and really give you like true ownership about what ex what is part of your physical makeup. <laughs> You're reminding me of I, I moved around a lot as a kid and I took dance classes and ballet teachers all had a different word for the back of the pelvis. <laughs> and I remember moving to some town and the dance teacher said, sit on your caboose. And I didn't know what she meant. I think my previous teacher had said tush or something. And I didn't know what she meant. And she had to say behind for me to understand what she meant. And I remember the other kids in the class giggling. Um, maybe that was my first dawning realization that like, ooh, there is a there's a diversity of understanding of what our bodies are and what they do and what they mean, what the parts of them mean. So off my professional stand, because that, that work requires desexualization. Mm -hmm. And in the more personal zone, which it sounds like what you're talking with your audience about is more about their personal sex lives. Is that right? Yeah. How do we have how do we have empowered like sex lives that we take ownership of, that we are full participants of, that we feel good about? Um, and also like, how do we as, because all we can control ourselves, how do through our own empowerment, our own ability to, to verbalize, direct and connect with what we want and 
to our partner or partners, how do we then give them ownership about their own sex life and their own wants and needs? And is that a ripple effect that we can enact through our own self-discovery and our and our own our own time in our like grossest PJs, like reading the dirtiest book we can ever find in our comfy, wonderful place, discovering the words that we want. I don't know if y'all can see, like y'all can't see that Courtney is like doing a happy dance in oh, the background. It, I'm having a big reaction. <laughs> um, so this this does relate to my my work. So I'm gonna bring that back into my space here. Often what I find I need to do is help artists speak through what their characters want, what their characters are trying to achieve with one another. Anyone who's been to drama school will remember that word. <laughs> and maybe where their characters get their ideas from. So uh, an exercise that I've found radical on occasion is to have actors create a sexual history for their character, to imagine where their character was taught about sex. And it can be simple, it's a single sentence, you know, high school sex ed and the back of the bus and that was it. Or church camp and it was scary and blah, blah, blah. Or my parents sat me down and we had a wonderful talk and I was never afraid and I thought masturbation was fun and da, da, da. Whatever, whatever story they want to create. I often find that my actors then come to me and go, I have been building character backstories for decades and I never incorporated their sexual life. Because it's taboo, because our acting school teachers were certainly never going to say, you should think about, you know, how Brock and Maggie get it on. But <laughs> they would be too afraid to, to bring up mm -hmm. that conversation or the ones who weren't too afraid to bring up that conversation maybe were problematic in a whole bunch of other ways. So well, I wonder if you haven't given your character a backstory about sex, then you are looking at it through your own sexual history, which can be problematic and unrelated in a whole different way. If you are... If your sexual preference is not for your partner, let's just talk about sexual orientation. If you are working with a partner that's not your same sexual orientation, how do you then go into a sex scene with your sexual history and not and and have that experience versus if you can create the sexual history for someone um, who would want that partner and would enjoy that? Like, what a mind fuck that would be for. Uh, an actor, a human, to try and negotiate those discrepancies. And actors are often left to their own devices for scenes of kissing or touching or nuzzling or the big prince and princess dippy kiss at the end of the musical or whatever. And you're right that without guidance, the default is going to be, what do I do in real life? I have certainly had the experience of a stage kiss in rehearsal that was performed upon me as a proper French kiss in the real world, like lovers on a sidewalk. And that's not how we do stage kissing. There really doesn't need to be tongue involved because the audience can't get involved in that part. So we tend to pretend that part. This actor didn't know. No one had ever told them. It isn't a part of our ABC 123 playbook. We all memorize a monologue or a sonnet or two, but it's often very late in an actor's career that someone really speaks to them about how to perform kissing or perform sensuality or desire. And now I flash back to my sexual health educator mind. There's kind of a jokey answer in sexual health that like the answer to every question is slow down, breathe and lube, lube, lube. 
I mean, that's not bad advice. <laughs> so I think the same might be true to the to your point. How do we discover our our wants? Why shouldn't we start with our scuzzy PJs? What's unsexy about that? That's part of me. Sex is part of me. I am a sexual person. Therefore, my scuzzy PJs are a part of my sex life. They exist. And everything doesn't just evaporate and become rose petals and twinkle lights and, and tea light candles. You know, like we, the, the baby might be crying in the other room and y'all might want to get it on. And that's okay. Like the, the idea that we have to compartmentalize our sex is artificial. And I believe mm-hmm. it is imposed by the structures and systems in which we, I say we North Americans, are, are conditioned. Um, the, the structure of this nation, the structure of our school systems, all indicate to us that sex is something to be put under the bed, in a locked box, in the back of the drawer. And our narratives repeat this. Sadly, mm-hmm. I mean humorously, but also sadly, our movies show shame about pornography, shame about sex, shame, shame about uh, arousal or orgasm or excretions. Sex is messy. If if you haven't ever heard that, y'all, like sex is messy and it should be messy. Sex is messy. Work up a good sweat. It's your fitness for the day. Keep your Fitbit on. See how many steps you can. <laughs> yeah. So to me, someone enjoying a book is so hyper intimate because the the action of the book is taking place in the mind of the reader but their mind is being in some ways willingly invaded by the mind of the author mm-hmm. and what a gorgeous intimacy to share to allow someone's creative environment to flood my senses and my imagination so that I can construct something that arouses me, that excites me, that surprises me or disgusts me or, oh my God, I didn't think that would turn me on. You know, I, I, I think that is a deep and beautiful intimacy that we get to share with the writers who are generous enough to put these things down on paper. Yes. Oh, Courtney, it's like I built you in my brain. Okay. so. <laughs> Now that we've opened that door, let's pivot. Courtney, let us know. Do you read romance novels? I did, and I currently read Randy comic books. Ooh. So I haven't picked up a romance novel in years. But I've gotten turned on to saucy graphic novels and that is my new happy place. Oh my goodness. Have you heard okay. Of these? Probably not. So one of the no, probably not. So the thing about romance novels that we use that we've kind of been introducing big picture is everything gets to take place between your ears. Nothing is affected <gasps> by the words. So like someone says Auburn, I'm gonna think maybe my hair. I'm gonna think more red hair. I'm gonna like 
Who knows? So you get to superimpose your preferences onto the descriptions of the character. So someone says a deep voice and I might be thinking like basso profundo and you might be thinking like "Mm, low tenor is as low as I want to go. And that's that's something really exciting about a romance novel. There's nothing wrong with like an erotic graphic. You're going to have to tell us, please share with us what you like. But, you know, tell us how did you move from A to B? So when I was, this is the story I wanted to tell. As I said, I was raised by librarians, so going to the library and picking out books was always a part of my childhood. And at one of my childhood libraries, they were transitioning everything over to digital, Mm -hmm. but the adult novels were on a (laughs) turning shelf, and they were still to be stamped to be checked out because they weren't supposed to be checked out by anybody who wasn't a grown-up. Mm -hmm. But that also meant they didn't ding the metal detectors on the way out the door. (gasps) So I started my career as a thief, lifting romance novels from my public library and returning them. I kept not a one. I would return them. (laughs) This is so magical. checked them out when I was in middle school. And let's see if this rings any bells for any of your listeners. I was raised with religion and... There were summer celebrations, and in those, sometimes we did craft projects, and one of the craft projects was to make a a book cover, a fabric fabric book cover that had like a Velcro strap that would fold and hold the book closed, and a little loop for a pencil, and a little ribbon as a bookmark, and it was meant for the book of my religion, and I used it instead for my novels so that no one could see the cover. And uh, it was a kind of a celestial fabric I'd picked out from my craft class that was like moon and stars. And when I think of romance novels, I still think of this like deep purpley blue with the metallic kind of bronze crescent moon and twinkly stars on the fabric because that's what I was touching and feeling. Yeah. Speaking of like, what are the other senses bringing in as my imagination is going on this journey? I imagine the fabric of that cover and I imagine the edge of a school desk because I would sit with the book in my lap in Latin class. Nerd. <laughs> and instead of paying attention to Latin class, I was reading romance you know, novels about her engorged mound or whatever under my desk. Oh my goodness. And I got caught a couple of times. Luckily, no, they never took the book away, they just made me put it away. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably would have been in some different kind of trouble if someone had actually looked at what I was reading. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I, that is such a great story. Pre-puberty, I mean, 10, 11, 12, I was reading these stories and I was utterly fascinated by them. I love the way they talked mm-hmm. about bodies. I still remember, obviously, I still remember some of the, some of the really corny language and the bear skin <laughs> rug by the fire and, you know, and he swept her into his arms and whatever. But I also remember some of these really gritty details. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 as you said, describing sex is messy. Sex is complicated. People making plans about their sex, uh, preparations in order to have a good time, things that I never had exposure to through traditional media. There was nothing on TV mm-hmm. that said, oh, I'm going to make a plan so that my partner has like a fun game to play while we're having our sexy time. Like that was not available otherwise. So I'm I grateful. I feel like it's still not available. That is, oh Everyone man. Everyone should have a public library card and use you it well. Go 
even if you're not a physical book person, even if you're like, I need my Kindle and not a book, a book cover that you have made yourself for a book of your religion scripture. uh, (laughs) You have options. There are so many options. Go Google it. Libby, Hoopla, all of that stuff is available. Oh, man. Okay, so you've been reading romance novels for a while or erotic literature or however you wanted to. I I will not age you. Well, (laughs) I found my parents book. The Joy of Sex and More Joy of Sex <laughs> yes. on their bedside table when yep. I was much younger than that, probably <laughs> seven or eight. Uh-huh. So that was surely the actual origin story of all of this. And I was just fascinated because when I had asked the question of like, what's going on with bodies and stuff? I got a book on like growing hair in your armpits and like your voice changing and things like I didn't get the like nitty gritty. I didn't get what I wanted. And when I found those books, oh boy, howdy, did I get what I wanted and then some. I will age myself by saying simply this, squiggle wiggle writer. Chase, if you're not aware, that's okay. Someone out there on the internet knows what I just said. I'm literally writing it down. (laughs) I love that. Okay, so as someone who has been reading erotic romance romance novels has worked in sex and intimacy and has like a vast awareness for what's going on how do you think that number one romance novels are evolving and where where maybe were they and like we have to acknowledge that that was part of our you know everybody has maybe and an I not everyone but you might have this idea of romance novels as Fabio on the cover and he's shirtless and a woman's in like barely clothed ripped destroyed because they're on a pirate ship or whatever um or the idea that oh it's just like porn for women or oh the sex scenes are unrealistic and it's like one pump orgasm how have you <laughs> i've i've heard those rumors i've even read those scenes how have you seen the romance novel world or the sharing of these kinds of stories evolve over the past few years Oh, many years. Goodness. Well, starting from those books I lifted, a lot of them were Fabio on the cover on the pirate ship, blah, 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 blah. Some of those books are long lasting. Some of them have been on the shelves for decades and decades, and you can't argue with that kind of popularity. Also, I mean, you got to shop around. So it might take a little reading to find the particular genre or the particular voice of an author that'll speak to someone. It's sort of like, I really enjoy science fiction writing, and not all science fiction writing is equal. If you ask anyone with a spaceship on their t-shirt to talk about it, they'll (laughs) tell you forever, you know? like, um, So I was grateful that I discovered a a bit of diversity in the readings that I I found, some of which was too hard for me. I was like, oh, this is kind of scary, some of which Mm -hmm. was really arousing and I was like oh my sexuality is not as hetero as my summer camps would like it to be um and uh and thank god for that uh Mm. so I I actually I got off romance novels once I got into the heat of sort of my sexual life I I stopped Mm -hmm. reading them I really used my own experience as exploration 
And I did occasionally date people who were interested in, in erotica. And so then I would get kind of keyed back in. I had a partner who wrote erotic literature for us. And that was very exciting. I had never had a relationship like that. Whoa. And that was a whole different kind of sex for me. Um, yeah, writers. Um, <laughs> and then a friend of mine, I don't know, sometime a, a decade or so ago, I think heard me say, yeah, I don't really do that anymore. And they were like, oh my gosh, I have a couple for you. And I got turned on to these fairy, gay, werewolf, vampire, you know, just, it filled my heart with delight, my little nerdy soul. It was a perfect combo of gothic romance and smut and leather and vinyl and, <laughs> oh, just wonderful descriptions. And to anyone who thinks that romance is simply about a reader getting off or porn for the reader or unrealistic, blah, blah, I, please, if you can, separate yourself from everything that you think of as porn and cast your mind into the world of, of books and stories or the streaming shows that you like to watch and think of how different all of those are and how you can flip a million channels and find a million different things. The same is true for erotic literature, and some of it's a slow burn. And if you've never had a slow burn, you might not know that a slow burn is what you've been waiting for your whole life until you're on page 60 and you're like, get to it already. Oh! <laughs> and, you're, and your sweaty little fingers are turning the pages as fast as you can. Mm -hmm. You know, like I'm only are, reading every fifth word. <laughs> Exactly. Those are extraordinary experiences to have. I mean, that's a roller coaster of emotion and sensation that you potentially got for free if you got it as a download from your local library. Get a library card. Really, the sexiest thing that Jace and I want to recommend today is <laughs> the public library. Love your librarians. They know everything and they never tell. That's all for today's episode part one of my conversation with Courtney. Courtney will be back with part two. I can't wait for you to hear what happens next week. And that's it for today, y'all. This has been a Three Paws Productions podcast. You can find Jace and so much more at jacereadsromance.com. That's J-A-Y-C-E readsromance.com. Follow along on TikTok and Instagram at Jace Reads Romance. And if you'd like to send an email, our email address is jace at jacereadsromance.com. To leave a voicemail with a question or testimonial for a future episode, call and leave a message at 661-JACE-RR. That's 661-529-2377. And finally, like and subscribe so you can get every episode when they drop. And remember, this is Chase, holding space for you. 